Have you noticed the changing leaves outside? This is a time of year to be reminded that change is a normal part of life. But not all transitions are easy, and at times we can feel a little stuck. Sometimes it's easier to figure out what we need to leave than to know exactly what we need to go to or what might be next. Sometimes changing isn't our choice. Sometimes there's a storm that's blown through and shaken all those leaves loose. Today, we get to have a rich conversation with a change facilitator that tells us about how she has found purpose in this work, gives us some tools that can be very beneficial as we work through transitions, and some tips we can steal from the principles of creativity. Welcome to The Grit Show, where our focus is growth on purpose. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez. And I'm honored to be part of this community as we journey together with our grit intact to learn more about how to thrive and how to get the most out of life. It means a lot that you are here today. As you listen, I encourage you to think of who may appreciate the tidbits of knowledge we are sharing and to take a moment to pass this along to them. Everyone appreciates the friend that thinks of them and these conversations are meant to be shared and to spark even more connections. Lauren St. George is a creativity expert and change facilitator. She helps companies and individuals navigate change, overcome big, hairy challenges, and imagine bold solutions. Lauren is the founder of What's Next, one-of-a-kind, highly engaging program that helps people figure out their best next chapter. Often, this need for change is triggered by a major life event, whether that be divorce, grief, empty nester, retirement, or feeling stuck and unsure of what do next, whether that's with your career, purpose, or happiness. Purpose, we like that topic. At the heart of it all, we are looking to live a more fulfilling life, and Lauren has helped hundreds of people find that. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Lauren. I'm excited to chat with you more. Thank you so much. So how did you end up finding this adventure of helping people finding their purpose and finding out what's next? You know, I, I think there's been a, a central thread through everything that I've done, which is which is creativity. I started my career in video production and then owned a creative agency where we did, ran the gamut of doing print design and video and digital and all kinds of things. And during that time, I was working with a lot of Fortune 500 companies. And one of my clients that had an internal team that did design thinking and innovation work, I really enjoyed what they did. We, we helped market their services, but... I liked what the group was doing. We were doing a lot of things with other clients around bringing ideas to life. And so that kind of all sort of percolated together. And I heard about a program that was a master's in creativity, which is not a a usual degree that people do. Creativity is really, it's the science of how we solve problems. And so, you know, it, it led me on a journey of starting with helping clients and then realizing pretty quickly the same methods that I was using with businesses work really well with individuals as well. So it then took my mother uh, making the comment when she retired in an early age going, and I wish I'd spend more time thinking about what I was retiring to um, versus what I was retiring from. I think oftentimes we find ourselves, you know, thinking about, I just need to get away from this, but not having the plan as to where the next step is. And, and that just got me started on, can I design something that would really help people to figure out what that next step looks like? Oh, that is so beautiful. And I love that because I think people are so busy running from something or not even run necessarily, but ready to transition away. They're not 
doing that imagination and thinking about what they're going to be going to and what they want and and finding that next phase. So that's so exciting that that was part of what lit you up and to find out what you wanted to help people do. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all, as you said in my bio, we all face these pivotal moments in our life where we find ourselves asking what now or what's next. And so that's led me to work with people everywhere from either their mid-20s all the way up into their mid-80s because we all, at some point in our life, uh, are going to face that question of what's next. And that's been really rewarding for me because it's not only around career. I mean, career is a big part of it. But for other people, it's really just how do I find excitement in life again or what is the next chapter, whatever that chapter might be, what does it look like? That's exciting. Do you like having the variety of who you're working with and what transitions they're going through? I do because I run it. I run my program as a group coaching program. And so what's really powerful about that is, is I bring, you know, a group of probably four to seven people who have all been vetted so that to make sure everyone's on a similar journey of discovering, but it brings instant accountability for people. The bigger part of it is that people bring their experiences and expertise and know-how and knowledge, you know, to the group. And so it's it's up to me to facilitate an experience, but the more people share, the more you'll learn from others. So to me, that's really a rewarding experience. And just because one person might be dealing with career and someone else is looking at retirement, uh, we all have such varied backgrounds and life experiences that we can offer that to someone. And that allows people to see things from different perspectives and maybe get an idea or as one comment someone makes that just breaks it open for you because maybe you hadn't looked at it that way before. That's great. So what did your mom end up transitioning to? What did she find was her next thing? She did consulting and figured out how to sort of, you know, go out on her own. And then I think she, you know, found her groove and and just enjoying being in her own space again and, you know, not being on a nine to five. She ended up starting a nonprofit. So, I mean, she definitely found her her next things that were for her connected to fulfillment and, and purpose. And, you know, I think there always is a next chapter, whatever that may be, and it does does not need to look anything like the previous one. Yes, I think sometimes we get stuck on where we're at and not realizing there's so many options and opportunities for each of us if we just start exploring what they might be. Exploring is a great word because I think a lot of what keeps people back from making changes in their life is usually rooted in in fear, fear of the change itself, fear of failure, fear of the risk in making that change. And if you try to come at it more from an exploration side of things, more from uh, sort of an innovation mindset, which is just, I'm not going to get it right the first time. I might not find the right answer. The more I move forward, the more things that I try, I want to get clearer on which way I want to go. And I can iterate and have fun and take some of the pressure off myself about getting it right the first time. We come out of a, a school system where we've been taught you got to get the right answer the first time, right? To learn all of our tests that we take, we don't celebrate failure. Um, and unfortunately, that idea of failure is what keeps so many people from not even, you know, taking the first step. So I think to certainly work with the people that come across my program, it's just as much about having a great plan and what you're going to do next, but also dealing with the mindset side of things and helping people shift into that kind of more fun exploration uh, side of things. Yes. Or even people forget that the whole thing with science, right, is you're doing experiments. It's not supposed to work. You're supposed to try different things and it's okay that they don't work. It gets you closer to the right way of things working. And so it's important to experiment and to try different things and to realize that you learn every single time a little more about what is going to work. And so the more we think about it, oh, I made all these mistakes. No, you had all these experiments about what different things 
could be and what may or might not didn't work. And that's absolutely part of the process instead of it having to be like it was a mistake and that, you know, no, it was part of the learning process. Yeah. So success and, and failure are the steps to success. And we put too much of a negative, I think, onto that concept of mistake or failure. It's a lesson and we learn and we keep going. Does it succeed just failed more times than the person that <laughs> stopped when they didn't get it right the first time? Yeah. If you think about a lot of the, the great inventions that are out there, you know, Dyson made ants about it that it was like the 500th prototype finally was the right one. Um, if they'd stopped off to 10, they never would have made it to the marketplace. And so if we can look at our lives more as that, that it's an experiment that we're learning, we're iterating. I love the idea of prototyping. Like when you have an idea of something you want to do next, how can you prototype it? How can you try it out in the cheapest, quickest way possible to see if it's even something you're interested in? So instead of quitting your job and, and going off and starting a whole other career, can you find a way of testing that, of dipping your toe in the water, of trying it out before you go the whole hog and, and quit your job? So, you know, prototyping is another piece that falls into that kind of innovation experiment mindset. I love that because that really is something that's interesting that people don't realize all the pitfalls about something because we've been told so much of like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that, that we don't even like try the little bits of it to find out, well, maybe I don't want to be a famous singer because I have to work at night all the time to do these venues. And I don't like staying up late to sing. I just like singing. So I didn't actually want to do that. And so to actually go, you know, do singing for a while in the evenings while I'm still doing this other piece to find out what parts I do love about it or don't love about it. I think that that's an important thing. We don't take those risks and try things out because we're too scared of the failure and the pieces and bucking the norms and whatever else to even try it. So once we do jump in, it's so much pressure to even try it once we do jump in. I, I think understanding why that fear exists. So we are, we're biologically programmed, our brains are, to really push against anything that's seen as, as threatening until fight or flight comes in. Um, and so once upon a time, yes, we were chased by predators and so we needed to either fight or, or run for our lives. Now, when we see threatening things coming at us, it's oftentimes it's new ideas, it's it's change, it's the things that breaks us out of the patterns of predictability. And our brains really like patterns, predictability, automation, uh, running on autopilot is perfect. And so anytime something comes into your life that threatens that, your brain is program to push against it. So, I, you know, I like to tell people when, when you first hear something that's new, the instinct is going to be to say no, to smack that idea down, to say why, 7 million reasons why it's not going to work because it's going to break a pattern and it's going to get uncomfortable and it's going to force us to do things that makes our brains unhappy. And so listen to that voice. And when, when you hear that no coming up in your head, is that truly a no? because it doesn't make sense or is it a no because you're scared and then you know look, dig deeper into you know why are you saying no and where's that fear coming from and then look at that fear relative to the positive if i do do this and it does go well and i do get to the next stage and i you know pursue the dream you know is the positive that can come out of it greater than the potential sort of fear and the discomfort that I'm going to have and really look at, you know, how those things balance out. And if pursuing it ultimately is, is going to be more positive, that's some temporary discomfort, then I think you need to go for it. There you go. And do you find that it really is beneficial to work in the group model because there's some mirroring and people experiencing it, other people experiencing it. So it's not as isolating. It's not just me that's having a hard time with all of this. 
I think it's very helpful for people to know that, that they're not alone in the way that they feel. And even if people are coming in with different challenges in their life, that feeling stuck or uncertain or unsure what you need to be doing next is a very human thing. I find that over the time that people are together um, in my group form pretty strong bonds because in a very short period of time, they get to know each other pretty well. They, you know, they're sharing because the more you share, the more you're going to get back out of it. And now you've got a group of people who are on a, you know, a similar journey to you. And, and certainly people keep in contact after they finish the program and I definitely encourage company partnerships where they help each other keep on track after they finish the program so that you have that ongoing relationship. But definitely there's a power in knowing that you're not the only one who's feeling that way. How long are your groups usually? They go for six weeks, but we they're intense six weeks. We meet twice a week and do uh, a remote phone call. I, I use Zoom because people are all over the country we typically, you know, an hour and a half on a call together. So it's a fair amount of time. And then, you know, in between, there's there's some hard work for people to do. It is a commitment, but really it's a commitment to yourself and you're investing and, you know, taking the time to think about what you're going to do next. And oftentimes I find people get re-energized and reinvigorated and start doing things well before they finish the course. I've had people who come in thinking that the challenge is one thing and then halfway through they've already, you know, made so much progress on it. We shift and look at something else in their life that they want to focus on. Oh, that's exciting. Do you feel like there's specific tools that are beneficial for them or is it mostly the conversation is beneficial? No, I mean, every week there's an objective that we're working through and there's tools that we're using each week. There's activities that, that we'll do. And they're very much rooted in creativity and design thinking, really helping People look at things from different perspectives, designed to use different parts of your brain. You know, with being in the group, there's definitely, you know, opportunities for people to say, have you thought about it this way? Or what about this idea so that you're getting fresh thinking? Um, so they very much encourage, you know, doing work using tools all the way along. And ultimately, my hope is that the tools that I teach people over that six weeks are things that they can continue to come back to because life changes and we need to adapt our plan or things don't quite go the way we want. Or we try something out and it's not the right thing, but we've got momentum going now and now let's change things and go try something else. So it is just definitely my desire to equip people with tools that they can use for the rest of their lives. Yeah, do you have any examples of things that have been beneficial that people have used or tools? Well, I mean, I think early on in the program, one of the things that we look at is is your why. Why is this an area that you want to work on within your life? Why is it important to make the change that you're facing? Because I believe if you can answer that question of why, that truly is your motivation. But ultimately, people will give an answer, and I don't believe the first answer is deep enough. So there's a tool that I like to use called the five whys, which is really about peeling that onion back. As a simple example would be, if you had a goal of, you know, I need to lose weight, you might ask the question of, you know, why is losing weight important? And then you would answer that question because I want to fit in my clothes again. Or why do you want to fit in your clothes again? And you would continue to ask that question, why, of the last answer you gave. And typically do that at least five times. And I think by the time you've pulled back the sort of layers of that onion five times, you're truly now getting to the core of what's motivating you. And it can be an answer that you were never anticipating because, you know, we often just look at the surface level. That's a tool that I think for truly understanding your motivation is really powerful because when you do understand the sort of the root of it, the core of it, you've now got something that's really going to propel you forward because we all know that when we're trying to make changes in our life, it doesn't always go right the first time. All setbacks happen or obstacles happen and, you know, life happens, our obligations to our 
family, children, work, whatever happen to get in the way and might slow down progress. If you have a true understanding of what your why is, it becomes the fuel that just keeps you going forward. Yeah, I think that's great. Because even if you're talking to them about like why you're looking for a new job, you're like, because I want to make more money. And it's like, "Mm, nope, you just found a job making more money and you're still not happy. So there might be more too why you're looking for a different job. And so peeling back those layers about the why can help you figure out what's actually going on with with that and to help you make the transition that's going to do more for you in the end and help propel you to find the right shift and the right change and the right thing that you're doing next. That's fabulous. I love that. So that's very valuable. It is. And I think, you know, you do not ever have to share the answer with anyone because sometimes it could be a very personal thing. You know, when you do it, you do have to force yourself to be as honest as possible, as vulnerable as possible with with truly answering the question. Don't try the tool out and then give let yourself off the hook after you answer once or twice. I mean, that's the hard part. It's a simple tool, but the hard part is actually, you know, being honest. Yeah. And I wonder how much of as you're finding the answers to be like, is that me answering that? Or is that coming from what I was told since the time I was five years old that you're supposed to answer that question to? So get to those other layers. The more you ask it, the deeper you're going to get on it. So that's very valuable. So with the creativity, do you do activities that kind of bring out the creative pieces and things? Or is it just a creative problem solving piece you feel like? Well, creativity is the ability to come up with new novel ideas. So I think you have to come at it from a variety of ways. And some people some people are more visual, some people are more auditory, some people like to move. So, you know, there's different ways in which we learn and, and different ways that we can tap different parts of our brain. So the, the activities vary in terms of what people are doing. They are ultimately there to help, you know, move things along. The first week in the program is really about, you know, getting re- reintroducing yourself to yourself. We lose ourselves along the way. We take on obligations and life things and people will forget what they were once passionate about or they put things on the back burner. So it's about reacquainting yourself with yourself. Let me then get into really what's the what's the main reason we're here? What are you trying to solve? What's the challenge? There's set objectives for each week, but the activities that we do are fun. There might be times when people are actually drawing things or they're writing things or we're talking about things. I try to infuse as much fun in there because I think boredom is the number one killer of creativity. So, you know, I call it serious play. I like for people to, you know, to laugh and have a good time. Um, we're definitely doing hard work and we're, we're getting to a good place, but I don't think, you know, we can't have some fun along the way. That's very valuable. We like having fun along the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you share any examples from your clients of exciting things that they've had with their transitions and things they've figured out along the way, keeping them anonymous, of course. There's been several. As someone that's been working for the same company for about 30 years, um, she really wanted to to move on to retirement. She had been thinking about it, wasn't quite sure what retirement would look like, but ultimately was just not ready to, to pull the trigger that was mainly mindset there. You know, we can easily come up with a plan of what are the things that you want to do on the other side of retirement. So that's the fun stuff. The big piece there was kind of getting through the mindset, the sort of fear of if I retire, am I financially going to be okay? Am I going to be bored? You know, all of those kind of things came up because when you've been at the same company for 30 years, again, you're in a comfort zone, right? It's uh, something you know well, the business was, was like family to her. So it really took, uh, the simplest thing was to say, have you spoken to your accountant on whether this is something that you can do? 
And I think once the accountant said, yes, this is something you can do, we could then more easily start to think about, well, what does retirement actually look like? But we have to get over that hurdle. Now, that sounds like a really simple thing, but it took weeks of really talking through the easy stuff, which was, oh, well, I could do this, and I want to do this and this. But then it was like, what's really stopping you? In another case of uh, someone, they had taken a package and left a, a big corporation, and it was time to decide, you know, did she go and get a CMO position with another company, or was she going to finally go after her dream of starting her own business? Now, I have found with, with a lot of people, if they've been in corporate for a long time, the idea of starting your own business, while it's attractive, it's also really scary. There's no safety net around you. There's no team around you. You're now wearing a lot of different hats. And so, you know, we had to work through a, a number of other factors as to really which way was the best way. She ultimately decided to start her own business, but we found that buying into a franchise felt like a much safer way of doing it because there was a structure in place and there were resources and support systems already there to make that transition from being in a corporate world for, you know, 20, 30 plus years to being in an environment where she could earn her own business and have her own hours and still have that support system around that made it feel a little less risky and more doable. So we do try to come at it from different angles. And if that's what you want to do, how do we do it in a way where you're going to feel supported and safe in doing that? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it is. It's so individualized. So it's great that there's space for that with a group. So you know that others are going through the same things, but still very individualized what works for you and what rises to the top is what's going to be the solution for your transition. That's so valuable. Thank you so much. This has been incredible, Lauren. As like we get closer to wrapping up, is there anything you want to make sure that you get to share and that we touched on? You know, there's a few principles from from creativity that I believe if people try to embody them, it makes you much more able to to deal with change. And so, I, you know, I think it's things like collaboration. The very reason why I have a group of people that come together is it is about co-creating and collaborating together. But I think you know, outside of any kind of coaching program, realizing that you have people in your life, you have support systems, you have resources, you know, are things out there where you never feel like you have to do this alone. And oftentimes, you know, that fear comes from feeling alone in, in what you're facing. And you're not the first person to start a business. You're not the first person to do X, Y, Z there are support systems out there. So I think being open to that and allowing that into your life. At the same time, I always tell people when it comes to support systems and, and that is also be careful about who you share ideas with because when you've got a new idea and you're about to step out there and, and try something new for the first time, if you share it with the wrong people and you tell you that that's a stupid idea, you might never actually get out of the gate with trying anything new. So be careful about who you share it with. And if you don't have the you know appropriate support system in your life, then go and find it elsewhere. Protect that idea, especially when it's something that's new. So that's one of several sort of principles within creativity that I think are important. Yes, that's so valuable. I can still tell you the voices that I've had that for some of my ideas that I mentioned to one person I wouldn't have imagined would have been the naysayer that basically was like, oh, no, don't do that. Never do that. People don't make money doing things like that. Like, never do that. And then I abandoned that idea and went on to other things. And it wasn't until I was at a different place that I realized that was them projecting their fears and their place. And it got to the point where I didn't listen to that. So like, 
when I wrote my novel, I can tell you the people that told me, oh, you can't write a book unless you have an MFA and you've done this and done this and have these connections. And I'm like, um, watch me. <laughs> I, I'm still going to do that. And I and I got my novel published and like, I have a podcast, even though nobody I knew had a podcast. And then I have a podcast network. And so I stopped listening to those people, but I can tell you lots of other things in my life that stopped me. The first person I mentioned something to and they just like shut me down because people don't do that and that doesn't happen. And no, you don't do that. And that worked for a little while. So I was like, wait a minute, this is you and your fears that you're projecting onto me. This isn't about what I can or can't do. But yeah, the solution is to like, choose wisely and keep those things to yourself and to recognize that it's not about you and your abilities and what can or can't happen. It's about other people have so many of their own fears and it's them speaking out about what they can't do or scared to do, not about what you can or can't do. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Very good perspective. I value that. So each episode, we definitely connect with our audience about self-maintenance, which is our way of looking at self-care because we want to see it as you maintain a car, you maintain yourself. Otherwise, you can't function and get the things done. So what is an example of something that you do to maintain yourself and maybe make it so you can do the work you do and show up the way you show up in the world? There's a few things. I mean, I think there's the common things of, you know, try to keep back to get yourself out there, get, get fresh air, those, those sorts of things. I'm an introvert, so definitely minding my energy and making sure that I have time each day, which oftentimes means I stay up later than the rest of the family just because I need some me time. But I think the thing that I've most enjoyed in, in recent time and need to get back to it now post-pandemic was I actually used to do X throwing in a league. And I found that it was a very therapeutic way of de-stressing and, and working the week out of my system. So, you know, I, I certainly think that there's a myriad of ways that you can do it. And it's just about finding the one that you like the most. Oh, I love that. Yes, we did. We've done X throwing a few times. And it was so much fun. So that's definitely a great thing to do that. And so a league though, that's fabulous. A good way to connect with others a little bit, huh? It is, yeah. There's the social aspect and the, yeah, that's right, access. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, there's so many levels to that. Like, it's somewhat athletic, but it's also like, yes, I agree. I love that idea. That's <laughs> fabulous. And so then for our audience, it's something for them to take away as we call it our grit wit. It's something they can just apply and put into their world. Do you have a thought of something we've talked about that they can possibly just take and apply? I love the five whys, but do you have a thought about that? I like to give easy tools because otherwise we don't do them. So there's two things that come to mind. The first is anytime we're looking to make change in our life, it's about getting that sort of momentum going. And, you know, you're an object guard from a stationary position. You've got to get the momentum going. Find the first thing that you can do that's going to take you less than two minutes. So you want to start doing a yoga class. The easy thing is go and find your yoga mat. That's it. You know, the first day, like ease your way into it. Find the simple things that you can do to take less than two minutes because the more of those you do, you get small wins, you feel better about yourself, you're more likely to do the next thing. So it's just like if you have to get going because oftentimes, you know, I use the example of of working out because it's much easier to just sit on the couch and binge watch uh, Netflix than often if you get yourself going. 
you know, take the pressure off yourself, do something that takes two minutes or less. And then the other thing that has made huge changes within my life when I've had to deal with hard times and grief and those sorts of things is gratitude. Gratitude's an easy thing to do every day. You know, I've incorporated it into when I put my oldest son to bed, we talk about sort of the three things from his day that he's grateful for, and I do the same thing. So, you know, you can make it a part of your life very, very easily do with your you know a friend a spouse a child or just with yourself but i i have seen certainly big changes within my own my own life with doing that on a daily basis you know that's fabulous and we haven't talked about gratitude in depth for some time on this podcast but that is one thing that we definitely have talked about but not in a while and i think that's a great thing to revisit and the three things and finding where you can integrate that into your day because like you said you do it with your, your son at bedtime and either doing that when you sit with your family at the table at right dinner, in. or if you drive your kids to school, or if you drive to work every day, that you find that place in your day where you're brushing your teeth. Like, whatever part of your day where you can just like, right now, when I'm doing this thing I do every day anyways, I'm just going to think of the three things that I'm really grateful for. And it can just do such a powerful shift in your way of looking at your entire world to be able to find the things that you're grateful for. That is fabulous. Thank you so much for that. That's very valuable. And what is the best way for people to connect with you and to find you? Uh, the best way is through my web- website, which is answerwhatsnext.com. And there you can book some time to talk with me. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can learn more about the group coaching and the one-on-one coaching that I do. That's wonderful. And you also said to everyone listening, when you do this, if you book this time with her, book a call. If you mention you heard her on The Grit Show from this conversation, she'll also give you a 20% discount. Is that right? It is right. Yes. As easy as that. Easy as that. That is such a gift to you all. So that's definitely something to remember you do that. So I love this answer what's next.com. I love you the answer in there. So we'll also have that in the show notes. But thank you so much for being here. This has been such a valuable conversation, Lauren. And I think that people get a lot out of it. Thank you. I've enjoyed the time. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to jump on over to Instagram and follow us at the.grit.show. And if you aren't already following Authentic Connections Podcast Network at 37 by 27, you should definitely be doing that as well. Don't forget, you are the only one of you that this world has got. And that means something. I'll be here next Tuesday. I hope you are too.